Okay. So, what month are we in? November. And we're starting talking about Christmas now. It's because, it's because we need to be centred on Jesus. We need to be centred on Jesus all the time. We need Jesus to be in the centre of us all the time. But at a time of year where Christians celebrate Jesus, they can be very caught up in a world. A world of uh, gift giving and tinsel and food and stuff like that. At the very time that we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, we don't. And so, thank you. So what I want us to, to be encouraging is that we, uh, to use uh, Drew's language here about alignment, align to Jesus at Christmas. And so in order to help us to do that, to meet with Jesus, to meet with him in this time, for us to spend some time looking at Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. So it's only two verses, but it's important uh, that we get centred. So we're going to be spending five weeks looking at two verses. But I want us to get it into us. And um, so there's five weeks. Then there'll be the nativity. And then on Christmas Day, we're going to be having the Christmas Day lunch here. So we're not having a Christmas Day service or meeting we are worshipping the Lord by providing uh, a food, uh, hospitality, company to all who would want it, whether they're part of this church or part of the wider community. That is an act of worship, and that is how we are going to be worshipping Jesus on the day that people celebrate him by doing that. Now, I, I know that not everyone can be involved in that day, but if you can be involved, if you do want to volunteer, there will be opportunities for that. So that's sort of, that's what we're going to do over the next six, um, seven weeks. So, so we'll get to know um, this, this verse. Now, just, just before we read, just say that um, Isaiah uh, communicated this and it was written down probably about 700 years before Jesus. I'm looking at Dave just for affirmation, confirmation. About 700 years before Jesus was born. So Isaiah was a prophet. Lots of prophetic things were, have been written about, about Jesus in the, under the Old Covenant uh, many hundreds of years before. And then Jesus starts fulfilling all these prophecies. So let's see if this piece of writing that was written 700 years before the, the birth of Jesus makes us think about Jesus or reminds us of Jesus. So I'll read it out for us and then we, we'll do it. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So, if it's big enough, why don't we read it? Together, after three, yeah? Three. For to us, a child is born. 
to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. So what I want us to do today is concentrate on the good news of our King, Jesus, and his kingdom, or as we read, the government. We've got an amazing king, and we're part of an amazing kingdom, okay? Amazing king? Amazing king, everyone say? Amazing Amazing kingdom. It's good news. It's good news. Just, I just want to get you to say, it's good news. Good news. The news of our king is good. And his kingdom is good. It's amazing news. Hallelujah. So, so we're going to look at this. And um, now, what, what you can see there is that I've had some conversations with my Gemma. And, uh, and she says to me, Dad, when you speak, it's really hard to take notes. I'm a note taker, Dad. You don't quote any of your references. Uh, you, you make it really hard. And um, so if you're a note taker, I've worked really hard and put down a load of verses there that you're very welcome to look at another time. But I, I will address some of them, I'm sure. Um, so it says this. All of us read, For to us a child is born. One more time. For to us, a child is born. So there's this child who is born. In John's Gospel, it says this. The Word became flesh. Right? God became a human being. The the Word that was there that created becomes flesh and lives amongst us. God makes his home among us. God in itty-bitty little living space. Jesus, a man. But before he was a man, there's the story of Bethlehem. There's the story of a baby. There's a story of a baby born. A baby boy born. A baby boy who grew up and found Wisdom and favour with others. You know, it was, he was a blessed person. He was blessed by God. But he was a man. He was human being. For the child born to us is a child of humanity, a man. And so the thing about Jesus is that we can get caught up in who he is, who we know he is, and we'll look at that a bit more. But it's good to remember he was a man. He got sleepy. Anyone relate? He got, he got tired he got hungry. I don't think he ever got hangry, though. I don't think he did. You know, he cried and he wept. And he died. And he felt it. He felt the pain and the suffering of dying and death. He knows all about it. Human being, a man. So it speaks for to us, a child is born. It speaks of Jesus' humanity. And 
there's this phrase, the Son of Man. Jesus uh, used it a lot. But before that, the, 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 the Psalms just talk about like what, what is man? What, who are, what are people that you care about them? The Son of Man. You know, what, it's just, why is it, God, that you're bothered with people, with human beings? And so the Son of Man is just saying, well, he's a, a son of a man, you know, a human being. But also, Jesus used um, time and time again this phrase to talk about himself. When he spoke about himself, he spoke about the Son of Man. So part of that, he was using that to, to identify himself. Look, I'm one of you. I'm one of you lot. I'm just like you. I'm a human. But he was also speaking in a different sense. It's saying, I am not one of you. And I'm not like you. I'm different from you because I am the son of man. Huh? And so, Jesus, it's interesting because although I'm saying it's about humanity, the son of man can also speak about his divinity, the fact that he's, he is God. So, um, when... Um, when uh, there was the guy who couldn't walk and Jesus says to him, my son, your sins are forgiven. What did everyone else around say? Who can forgive sins except God alone? So if, anyone, if any of you ever think Jesus never, there's never ever any direct claim that Jesus said, I am God, well, he says, I'll show you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, Son of Man, but only God can forgive sins. So I'll show you that the Son of Man can forgive sins. What? What are you saying? That this human it become is man uh, in the name of in, in my name. Get up and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. So I've got Jesus saying, I've got authority to forgive sins, even though I'm a human. Because I am the Son of Man, I am something more, something to do with deity, something to do with the Messiah, the anointed one of God. So, when, um, when uh, let me think, um, there was a time, I can't remember what it is now, but there was a time when um, Jesus cast out some, some demons. We know who you are. The Son of God, Shh, be quiet, shut up. But, but so other beings are recognizing, yes, Jesus is human, but he's more than that. So the, the phrase Son of Man is used to speak about humanity, but it's also prophetic about the Messiah, and more than that, one who is and like uh, God. So in the book of Daniel, Daniel is, um, is having some revelations, some dreams, some visions. And uh, it says this, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and the visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. It's there in Daniel 7. In verse 13, it says this, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. 
no ordinary man. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. We'll come back to that. Then the sovereignty, power, verse 27, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. Okay? So, we've got, a, we've got a God who comes down in humanity, one of us, but he's more than one of us. He's the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Anointed One of God. He is divine. To us, a son is given. To us... A son is given. Gone after three, three. To us, a son is given. So speaking of his divinity, of his, of his godness, he's the son of God. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Everlasting life, the opportunity to know God and be with him forever. Because of what God so loved, he gave to us, a son is given. And the the word in there suggests, um, what does it suggest? It it suggests pre-existent. It's something, here you are, I'm giving you something that's already there. I'm giving you something that's already there. Jesus was already there. Like, he was there. He was there before creation. And God is giving Jesus himself to us. Pre-existent. Here you go. So our God, we believe, is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Godhead. But Jesus stepped down out of the glory and the magnificence of heaven and became one of us. It says in Isaiah that the virgin will have, uh, be with child. It would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Jesus is God with us. You know, I was thinking, thinking about that. It's a bit like... Me, I don't know, becoming a, a goldfish and living in a different environment, giving up all the glory of you and the company and everything and living in a, a river or something. It's completely different, alien, and yet that is what Jesus did. He left behind the glory of heaven and stepped into our world to become one of us so that we could become like him. He's the Son of God. Son of God. I want to read that, Matthew. Sorry. There you go. So it says in Matthew, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from 
their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. And the government, and the government will be on his shoulders. So this speaks about Jesus' sovereignty, that he is the king. So he is the the son of man, he is the son of God, but he's also the son of David. And at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, it says the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. So it's going back. There's something special about David and King David that God has spoken. And so in Samuel, there's, there's a promise. God, uh, uh, Nathan the prophet is speaking to David and he's speaking about what's to come and he's speaking about the fact that Solomon would come and build a temple. But it goes on to say this. To, so God through the prophet Nathan, speaking the word to Samuel 7, 16, says this, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Okay, He's the son of man. He's the son of God. He's the son of David. Jesus is human He is God, he is king, he's Messiah. This is who Jesus is. And it says this in verse 7, of the greatness of his government, the greatness of Jesus' governmental rule, the the rule and reign. Oh, hold up, have I done, and the government shall be upon his shoulders? Uh, No. I've missed that. Oh, and the government, sorry. And the government will be upon his shoulders, going ahead of myself. The government will be upon his shoulders. It's him who's shouldering the responsibility. It's Jesus who weighs the, 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 the weight of being the supreme power and authority and holds all responsibility for everything, for the kingdom of God. So on, on this, the rule and the reign, the government, the kingdom, it will be on Jesus' shoulders. He's the one with the authority and power. And of the greatness of this government, of the rule and reign of King Jesus, and his peace, there will be no end. See, that's good news. Good news of our king and his kingdom. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and holding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So, of the greatness of his rule and reign, there'll be no end and peace. 
peace, shalom. We'll, we'll look at this, but peace with God, peace with others, peace with ourselves. It won't end. It's be the promise of God that he's ruling on David's throne. And our Messiah will be king over all and he will judge with, with justice and fairness and righteousness from that time on and forever. From that time on. So we live in the fact that the kingdom of God is now. The rule and reign of God comes now. The kingdom of God is amongst you, in your midst, in you, says Jesus. The rule and reign of God comes when someone submits to him, makes themselves subject to him. That we can become ourselves sons, children of God's. Do you remember when uh, in uh, John 8, it, it, people are, are having a go at Jesus and uh, the, the Jews say, yeah, but, but Abraham is our father. Abraham is our father. And Jesus says, no, you are sons of the devil. No, no. Abraham is our father. You are sons of the devil. Okay? Sonship has to do with obedience. Whoever you obey, you are a son of. So you can say, I love Jesus. No, I really love Jesus. But if you are obeying another one, then they're your father. So if, if we keep on lying or stealing or cheating or being unfaithful, but we love Jesus. Jesus is my father. Well, God is my father. We'll talk about that another time as well. Um, I'm not trying to be judgy on us. I'm just trying to say, really? Is he really? Because Jesus is saying to those Jews at the time, no, you can say that someone's your father, but it's the one you obey is your daddy. So who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's ruling over you? Who's reigning over you? Who's in charge over you? Whose authority are you living under? Whose protection and care are you under? We need to examine our hearts. We say it with our mouths, but by our lives. What did I say? That must have been so shocking for them to hear that when Jesus says, no, no, Abraham, you're not children of faith. You're children of the devil. Shocking. It's amazing they let him get away with it, really. But anyway... Well, they, yeah, at that time. So, so he's going to lead with justice and righteousness. So the kingdom of God comes, the rule and reign of God comes, but it doesn't always, not everything that happens is God's will. Not everything is what God wants. We've got free will, we've got choice, there's a load of stuff that is going on. But there comes a day when Jesus will return again in glory. And he will judge everyone. And he will judge with justice and righteousness and all wisdom and all power. His word will be final. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So the king is coming. The king is coming. We might think, oh, you're slow in coming. But he is coming, but he does come. So what Drew has been sharing over the last two weeks about being in alignment is, in one way of saying is, who's the king of your life? Who's in control? Who's in charge? Who's your daddy? 
Is it Jesus, really? So spend time to get aligned up with Jesus. Getting getting time to die to your old self and live for your new self, created anew in Christ Jesus. Become the person that you've been made to be. And so there's there's the, the, the fact that we are made right with God through Jesus. Perfect in every way. Thank you very much because of him. But work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Go through the process of sanctification, of dying and living again. So Jesus is going to come back in glory and power. We can get excited about that. He's going to make uh, judgments. And it says this, the zeal of the Lord Almighty would accomplish this. Accomplish this Zeal, great energy, great enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an object. Zeal, I want that to get done. It's going to get done. We're going to get it done. Who's going to do it? The Lord Almighty. Or if you read the authorised version, the Lord of hosts. Or if you read the New Living Translation, the Lord of heaven's armies. Like, Every dictator or democracy knows you're only as powerful as your army. They know that. You're only as powerful as what you've got behind you to back up your words. Dictators know it. Democracies know it. Kids know it. Yeah, well, my dad's bigger than your dad. It happens in the world that we live in. And so it says this. What is going to achieve all of this? What's going to achieve that Jesus rules and reigns is the zeal of the Lord Almighty, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, the zeal of the Lord of all the armies, Lord Yahweh. He's got armies. He's got armies of angels. Angels are powerful. Angels are scary. Angels can do powerful things. And if angels can do powerful things, what much more than the mighty gods? Powerful gods. Awesome gods. So the kingdom of God, we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we want the breaking through of it in the here and now. That is our, that is our desire, our battle, our fight. But one day... When he returns again in glory, when he rules and reigns, when he judges, there you go. It's done. And what's going to do that? The zeal of the Lord Almighty. God is going to get it done so that Jesus, the one who created, the one who lived in it, will come again to rule it. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And it will be a kingdom that lasts forever. Our hope in Jesus Like, this world can do us in, but our hope in Jesus is an awesome hope of a glorious future in living in a kingdom ruled by a king. And his name is Jesus, but he will be called. Now, I don't remember if it ever being recorded that as Jesus was walking around Galilee or anywhere, he'd say, hi, wonderful, hi, wonderful counter, mighty God, or everlasting father, or... Hiya, Prince of Peace. How are you doing today? Can we have some fish? But it's talking about his character. So what sort of king have we got? And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next 
four weeks in a bit more detail about the character and the goodness of King Jesus, who's going to rule with wisdom and power and love and shalom. This is the sort of king that we've got. The kingdom now, but our future kingdom. So let's put all our eggs in one basket. Let's go. It's all about Jesus. I'm living for Jesus. I'm putting my hope in Jesus because ultimately he is the king. He rules. He reigns. I better be right with him. I better submit to him. God gave us Jesus so that we could be part of his glorious kingdom for all eternity. He wants you. He calls out to you, come follow me, come live with me, walk with me. And we've got, as I often say, a tough gig because we believe in an invisible God. But he's real. The kingdom of God is real. Heaven is real. The unseen realities, the spiritual stuff going on, it's real. There's more going on than meets the eye. Angels are real. And so, he says, come follow me. And what, when he says that, he's saying, leave behind all that other stuff. Let go of it. I've got you. I'll provide for you. I'll give you all that you will need. The things that we hold on is because we believe a lie that we need them more than we need him. As soon as we get the revelation, he is good. I can trust him. He's a good king. He's a suffering, serving king. He loves me. He wants me to be in his family. He wants me to be born again by spirit, be a child of God. As when we get that, we can let go. And I feel like most of our problems are because we won't trust him and let go. We won't align ourselves to him fully because we're believing lies. And he wants to break every habit we've got, every hang-up we've got, every hurt we've got. He wants to bring healing and wholeness to us so that we can walk freely and lightly in this world, living well while we're waiting for our glorious future home with him for all eternity. So, let us be those who keep centred on Jesus at Christ must, Christ, the anointed one. Let us not fall into the traps. Let us make it all about Jesus. Not about churchianity, not about some sort of religious thing, but relationship with the one true living God, living well for him all the time. So let's finish by reading all together again. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this.
So I recognise that um, some of you already know parts of this, some of you don't. When you read the Bible that you've got, it might say the words slightly differently. It's okay. Like This was originally written in Hebrew, not English. It's been translated, so it might be slightly different, but it's the same thing, the same message. So I would encourage you to, to read it, to read it again and to read it again. And we'll keep reading it again together, but read it again a bit more. Get it, let it sink into you. Let it be in your mind. Let it be on your heart. Train yourself by it so that you can memorise it. It's in you. And then wherever you are, you can like suck on it and think about it. And it will do, that's called meditation. It will do you good. Whenever you're worrying about Christmas or money or this or that, repent. Turn your, turn your thoughts away from what is bothering you and onto who he is at this time and this season. Meet with him through it. So it's not an academic exercise that I'm trying to encourage us. It's a deeply spiritual encounter with the one true living God that I'm after for myself and for each one of us again and again and again and again. I just, we need him. We, we need him. I want us to know him. I want to know him. And so as we read his word, as we meditate on his word, as we go over it and over it and over it, it will transform us. It will transform our thinking. It will transform our speaking. It will transform our behaviour. That is what God's word does when we welcome it when we accept it, when we accept the seeds of God's word into us, the word that can save us. This word can save you. It can save you from worry and uh, falling out and disharmony and disagreement, uh, a lack of peace. It can save you. When we meet with God and know him and we walk with him and he, we're intimate with him, things change. And so what we want, we want us to know, know God. We want to become like him and share him with others, make him known to other people. Do you want to know God? Do you want to become like him? Do you want to make him known? Well, practice spiritual disciplines. And one spiritual discipline that we can all do with this is the spiritual discipline of reading. Second one, spiritual discipline of memorising. Spiritual discipline of meditating. And spiritual discipline of speaking to one another about it. Therefore, reading it, uh, remembering it, memorise it all over again. Let's, that is how we develop and grow with the word of God. Some of us got really good memories. Bless you. Jealous. Some of us have to really work hard at remembering stuff. Just get on with it because it's about meeting with him and knowing him and making him known. And if that's the desire of your heart, and I hope it is, then that's a really good way to do it. I'm going to end there.